Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to Under the Noise. I'm Kate Roberts. And I'm Wynne Morgan. This week, we had an idea to chat about some topics that have come up in previous episodes of Under the Noise. There are a bunch of people that are mentioned offhand and subjects mentioned offhand. So today, Wynn and I thought that we would chat about the three principles and some of the things that we've seen through this discussion and through this conversation about the three principles and the things that make us human. So, Wynn, where would you like to start? Well, it was noticeable a few episodes ago that we had, I think, two guests in a row that mentioned the three principles. And it might be worth just giving a bit of light to what that actually means and what the three principles are. Um, and that's when you and I talked about it and thought, yeah, we probably want to do an episode to to clear that up for anyone listening, because we also know that the guests coming up may well talk about the three principles too and mention people's names that that uh, might be worth clarifying here. So the first question, if I ever bring up the phrase, the three principles, the natural question is, well, what are the three principles? And before I share anything about what these three principles are, it's worthwhile saying really in my mind that it's a way of describing how we as human beings operate. It's like our software system as humans. So how does the mind work? And the three principles was a, a term coined by a gentleman by the name of Sidney Banks and Sidney Banks a Scotsman by birth who went to move to, to the west coast of Canada. Um, and in the early 1970s, so the story goes, and I was never fortunate, never fortunate enough to have met Sidney Banks, but I know a lot of people who spent a lot of time with him were very close to him. And I think it was in 1973, he'd, he had an experience where he was staying at his um, wife's mother's house, I believe, on Salt Spring Island, just off the west coast of Canada, between the mainland of British Columbia and uh, Vancouver Island, so not far from Victoria. And Salt Spring Island is this beautiful Gulf Coast island that I've been fortunate enough to be, uh, to have visited a few times in the last few years. But back in 1973, apparently what happened is that, that Sid, in a in a moment got awakened to how human beings work. 
or what some people would call an enlightenment experience. And what he saw is that everything that we as human beings make up about ourselves and our conditioning and our insecurities and all those kind of things, what's behind all of that? And what he saw was the fact that we are all perfectly well mentally. We all are in a state of well-being. Some of us just don't know it. And sometimes that's hidden by thought appearing real. That would be my kind of headline um, in my understanding of, of what he described. And it was called a few different things in the mid then late 70s and right the way up into the early part of the, the 2000s to then be called the three principles. And the three principles was a way that people would access and understand what he was sharing and talking about as he was telling people about how, how we work and educating people. And a lot of people went to see him um, on Salt Spring Island to understand what he saw in the truth about how we are as human beings, our spiritual nature and our human nature together. And in the sharing, there were times where he would find it difficult to get through to people. And one reason apparently that he saw in conversations with some people who were then close to him and were also sharing with him was how to kind of what to call it. And eventually they came across, or, or he did, the three principles. And the three principles are mind, thought, and consciousness. And the best way that, that comes to my mind about describing what each of those means is that mind is what we have as a human being. That's the, the energy behind all things. So it's the intelligence that tells my cells what to do in their own function. It's the intelligence in me as a human that allows me to go to sleep without trying, that allows my fingernails to grow, that takes nutrition from food, that informs me of what to do. Wisdom. All of that energy that animates and brings life. And it's the intelligence, some people call the intelligence behind all things, because it's not just human beings that have mind. It's what turns, if I have um, an acorn that lands in my garden, it's not gonna grow into a different tree other than an oak. It's the intelligence that's always there within things as to how they then show up and how they grow and how they are. So that's mind, which is to me what really runs the show. But it's also another way of saying it to me would be the energy that's not only in life itself, but the energy of, of energy, the fact that there's energy. The formless sometimes before matter comes into, into being. The energy before form and the energy after form. And while I don't want to get you know too much into astrophysics and, 
and thinking about that, because believe me, you and I, Kate, we've talked a lot about that over the last year or so and had lots of fun conversations about that. So if that's mind, then there's consciousness. And to me, consciousness can be described as our awareness. So the fact that we're aware of being alive, the fact that we're aware of being human, they're aware of the experience that we're aware sometimes that we're thinking of the past and that we're aware sometimes that we're thinking of things that haven't happened yet in the future. But also to know that our consciousness varies. Sometimes it becomes quite small and we don't see broadly. We just see small. And sometimes in us as human beings, we see things really broadly. We see things really clearly. And one, and I don't think this is the direct definition of the consciousness that moves and the levels of consciousness, but one way it shows up is in moods. And I shared in one of the early um, episodes where you and I were talking about my experience of, of low moods. And low moods is, is one way of describing when our consciousness becomes quite low and we have quite tunnel vision. And one of the amazing things that consciousness, when it's low or it's, or it's wide or any, anything in between, is that that's what provides almost the special effects of things out there in the world seeming real and sometimes that they're not. The variable between me being upset at something and then the same thing at a different moment, it being like, I just like water off a duck's back. And then this thought. And to me, one way of describing thought would be that, or the principle of thought, not my own analytical mind, but the principle of thought would be that I can think literally anything. Anything will pop into my head seemingly from nowhere that I've got no say over. But literally it's that creative that I could actually think of anything and I don't know what my next new thought will be. So it's almost to me, one way of describing it might be, it's that the power of the mind taking form inside the brain of a human being is through thought. And then we have this, this thought. And then sometimes I'll have a thought and because of my consciousness, I will take that thought personally if it's low and it will look real because my consciousness is low. But the beautiful thing is, is that a new thought will always come in left to its own devices, unless I'm actually thinking hard and using my analytical brain to actually think more about my thoughts. Then I, I tend to notice less what new thought might come into my head because they don't have space because I'm thinking hard in here. But I also know that it's a very difficult thing to describe without using metaphors or examples or stories from my own life or asking people for what they see, what, what they've noticed. So it's very rare that I will talk to a group of people in a company 
or somebody one-to-one as a coaching client, whether their company is paying or they're paying privately, it's very rare that I will introduce the phrase, the three principles, because it sounds like a theory. It sounds like a thing. And we as humans love to make things into a thing and love to make sense of things. But to me, this is a different category because it's, how does a human describe human? It's a very slippery notion. So all we can do is do our best to look at how we work as human beings, which is what the three principles is my mind was designed to do is to understand how we work. Not to make it into a theory or a white paper that defines this is the theory according to the three principles because I don't think it's, I don't think it was ever meant to be seen as that. So that's a, what a long answer to a short question, Kate. You did well. Thank you. So what do you see? I started reading and listening about the three principles maybe two years ago, two and a half. But I had, you know, previous to that, I'd already been looking. reading, writing, looking inside for maybe a decade before that. So when I found this, the three principles, I started looking deeper into that. I just knew that for me, it was just the truth of how things are. It just felt like truth rather than a concept, a new concept, you know. And, you know, my kind of intellectual mind started to spin out and compare it to what I already knew and try to filter it through all of that. So a little bit like, you know, our other guest, Rob Cook, was talking about where it took him about 18 months to settle down a little bit. I immediately started to try to make it fit. Um, I did that for maybe six months. There was a lot of thinking about it. But I settled down. Um, because what I learned, maybe the most important thing that I learned from anything that I read, that Sid wrote, or other people in this conversation is that it always comes back to a feeling. That's our true guidance is helping feel. And I don't mean, you know, mood necessarily, like mood fluctuating. 
Although I do think sometimes that can point us in a direction, but when I finally settle down and start trying to figure it all out, that's when I really started to, to see things change for me. Really started to get it. But not from my from my intellectual mind that wanted to make it a concept. And so I don't usually talk about the principles in conversation in a very formal way. Because I think it can be very conceptual for people and confusing. And one of the most beautiful things about this conversation is falling out of our intellectual minds into a different space. That's where truth finds us. And it's never in this conceptualized intellectual conversation that we're having in our heads. It's always in a deeper space. But you know, some of the people who write about the principles they find very beautiful words with this feeling that is beyond words that we can find. A place of peace and well-being. And so I think that that's probably what I've taken from what little I know about the three principles is a reminder that it's a feeling to come to, but understanding how we work as human beings and how we experience life through our thought is just so helpful to me. I think it's, it's this beautiful balance, I think. Understanding and then the feeling of knowing all at the same time. The words can be beautiful, but the beauty isn't in the words. It's in the feeling that we have, that we associate when we read or hear words. And it's always, as you just said, the feeling, the feeling of the fact that you and I decided to call this podcast series Under the Noise is pointing to that. Is pointing to what you said so beautifully just now. The truth of being human, not the concept of being a human. And the truth is when we are underneath the noise and we are feeling more of the stillness, more of the beauty, more of the expansiveness that's available underneath the noise. That's always there. And then sometimes as a human being, we get caught up in the noise itself, which is our, our ability to, to do so many things as a, as a species, is the fact that we have the power of thought, the, the fact that we can imagine so many things and then make our imagination as if it's real and do things with it. But we're not human doings, we're human beings. 
And it's very easy to forget that, or I have found it very easy to forget that. Okay. And then when I've noticed for myself is falling into my human beingness, not my doingness, that feeling is a natural, wonderful byproduct of my mind quietening down and settling down into what to me looks very true that its natural state is quite slow. The natural state of it is that it is expansive, that it does settle down of its own accord, that it is incredibly creative, and I don't have to do anything about it because that's already built into us as human beings. It's built into me. Even when I didn't think it was true, it was still happening. Even when I thought there was something wrong with me psychologically, it was still there. So the power of thought is that we can think things and then we think that what we think is real. That's incredibly creative. And the fact that we can have a varying level of seeing things as personal or impersonal, real or illusory, varying levels of permanent or temporary, that's a magical capacity that consciousness has. And a build on something else that you said, Kate, and what you just shared, which I adored listening to. Life started making sense. My life and life itself started making sense when I kept looking in the direction of what is called the three principles, looking at the truth of how we are, not what we do. And I was on a, a training recently, a few weeks ago. And for three days, the, the trainers were saying, okay, well, this is the three days of just looking at the human mechanics, the mechanics of how we work. So of course I was thrilled with that because I then knew that I was in the right place, that we were just gonna look at how we work for my own seeing more. And I, I don't think there's ever an end to the seeing of how the energy and matter that collides in this human animated form. I don't think there's an end to seeing more about that. And if you think, you know, in what you just shared, it's, you know, that, that you shared, it took you a while to see anything. And you've been in this conversation for two years and, and Rob Cook from a few weeks ago, and he said it took him 18 months. Believe me, it took me years. Mm. It took me years. And I still don't think I know much. And in fact, I remember saying recently, and I do believe this, I know next to nothing. But the little that I know has absolutely changed my life. I have found peace about being myself and being a human more than I thought was ever possible not to look in the weeds of my psychology or the weeds of my history, but to look at how human beings work and to understand just a little bit 
a little bit about how we work and that's been genuinely life-changing for me. Right, well, one of the, um, you know, not only as a coach, but in every part of my life, one of the things that I've seen to come back to, whether or not it's I'm thinking about something in my own life or a conversation with someone else, is that whether or not we have the words to it, you know, the right words or what the three principles are or what they represent, what that means, is that, you know, I forget when I come back to it, that it isn't something, you know, how do you use the three principles or how, how do you talk about it to other people and explain it and and I and I keep forgetting that it is true about how we work and it's always in play. And we humans love to use the principles and use you know things that make us feel better and you know have a better life, but it's always in play for every person. Whether or not we sense it or can drop into that place at the moment, when we're caught up, it's always in play. I think it's at least a place that I've been in the past that I think is taking me away from truth is thinking that there's some right way to talk about it. But it's the beauty of how we work every moment. It's the way that it is, there's no using it. Mm. And it's incredible when you start to see how it works and how simple it really is, you know? Yeah. So we have a thought and it creates a very visceral experience. Because so many of us, when we start to scratch the surface and in this understanding of how we work, we then automatically as humans go to, so how do I use it? As opposed to, wait a minute, this is how we're built. And then people will ask, well, what's the three pay, what's the three principles way of living my life then? And it's what? No, this isn't a th- something to apply exactly as you're saying. This is about how we work. There isn't a way, it doesn't tell you what to do or how to live your life. 
It literally describes about the human experience, what it is to be alive as a human being, which is, as you've said, just a phenomenal thing to notice. Or one way of saying it would be, one way of describing it would be that it, it illustrates the fact that what we feel to exactly to what you've just said, what we feel comes from inside us, not from out there. So my experience of life does not come from the things, my circumstances, my relationships, my situation, my bank balance, my house. None of those things actually are the cause of how I feel right now. The only thing happening is that what I feel comes from thought in the moment, now, end of. Took a long time for me to see that. There is no outside in way of feeling. It's totally inside out. That still looks 99.9% .9 of the time the other way. It still looks like the outside world is the cause of how I feel. And it's not. So e even the, the fact that we take in information from the world around us using our five senses, that's not the cause of how we feel. So this, it used to be tepid, it's now quite cold, jasmine green tea, is pretty much as a, as a liquid, um, totally uniform. And I can't remember my last sip of what it tasted like, but I know I wasn't really thinking on it. But if I take one now, the identical liquid, because I've now got awareness onto my mouth and my tongue, I'm really tasting it. And I'm feeling the temperature of it, the fact that it's no longer warm. And where it's hitting my tongue. Now I had the same, the sip of the same liquid a few minutes earlier. None of those things were in my experience. And I have um, low grade tinnitus or tinnitus, depending on how you prefer to say it. And I, my awareness of that hum in my head is variable. I don't know if it actually does change, but my awareness of it does. And I know my awareness of it would vary an awful lot more than how often the actual, the, uh, the occurrence would, would change in my own head. But that's the same for so many things. And what we see, the number of times that we will look for the car keys and they're right in front of us. So it's not even a perfect system that we think, oh yes, I have a direct uh, mechanism of experiencing the world outside. Well, we do have amazing capability of sensing the world from our five senses, but that's not where our feelings come from. And an example would be that my mouth could water now over what I'm having for dinner and I'm not eating it. I could be annoyed by someone who annoyed me last week and they're not here. So it isn't them. It isn't my dinner. It's not that person. It's now thinking. What's in here is what's causing the feeling. 
And I find that just an astonishing thing because I really didn't think that that was true. Or when I did, I then thought I had to fix my thinking until I saw the nature of thought. What the nature of thought is how thought works is that it's a creative force and it's that we think is what's so amazing, not what we think. Because the what we think will constantly change. The content of what I think will constantly change. The degree to which I think it matters will change, even if it's the same thought. The degree to which I think that that um, is personal will change. Mm. And left to its own devices, as I've said a few, you know, a few minutes earlier, is that there's a constant stream of potential new thought coming in. So I'm never stuck. But innocently, sometimes I'll think there's something to do with what's in my head and I, and I will innocently get stuck because I'm thinking about my thinking. And it won't take me long before I think about my thinking about my thinking. And then, you know, I call it a rabbit hole, right? We can really get into that. The analytical mind takes over because the analytical mind that we have as a, as a human is incredibly powerful incredibly sophisticated and it wants something to do and the other thing that i i'm only really getting a deeper sense of now is that the mind is built for us to be productive and happy the mind is built for us to be productive and happy human beings that didn't look true to me until fairly recently. I thought I wasn't very productive. And then I noticed that I've done loads of things in my life. How on earth did I make up I wasn't productive? The fact that, you know, there is, there is proteins growing from my head and right now on my face as well, because I haven't shaved for a while, but my fingernails will grow. That's quite productive. The fact that my organs will do things, the fact that I've done eight out of the 10 things on my to-do list today, pretty productive. And all the things I've done in my 50 years so far, there's a lot of productive things that I have done that I didn't give myself credit for because thought was occluding or the reality of, um, or the, the misunderstanding of thought the misunderstanding of, of my life so far gave me the story that I wasn't that productive. And it's funny going back to what you said when we're less caught up in this stuff, the feeling comes back. The feeling comes back of the more of being at peace at home, the more expansive version of ourselves and the, the relaxing the deeper sense of ourself. That's the best version of happy I know because that's permanent. That's the default. When I'm not innocently, innocently stirring up the noise in my head, I'm incredibly at peace. And I can do a lot when I'm in a place of peace. A lot of us, we think, and I know if I speak for myself here, I thought that if I had peace of mind, I would stay in bed all day. Mm -hmm. 
well, no, I found peace and peace that's got nothing to do with what I do. It's a default, which means I'm more likely to play full out. Or one way of saying it would be, I remember as a kid, there was a board game called The Game of Life. I can't remember if I've ever mentioned this one to you before, but I would always find the notion of the game of life to be such a, a weird concept because it didn't look like life. It didn't look like a game. It looked like life or death. That's not a game. What the heck? This is serious. <laughs> Until I saw how we work. And then it's felt more like a game. And I did not think that was possible for me to experience life more like a game. Hmm. With all its messiness and heartbreak, of course, and there are. There's no free pass, but it's been life-changing to um, to get a glimpse at what Sid uncovered in that moment and then wonderfully started sharing with people over the next 40 years. One of the coolest things that I've experienced for myself, but also as a witness with other people in this conversation is when like they really start to get it. When there's something that happens in that moment and they're, you know, they come to a space where I'm not all the thought of mine. I mean, and who am I? And I keep coming back to that space myself over and over after such cool moments. I'm pointing to the part of them that's 100% completely healthy and well and all peace. There's nothing to prove and nothing to do. And I start pointing to them. And you can see that they know that it's true. It touches something inside of them that knows that that's the truth, and you'll see fears, and you'll see a knowing. Because all of us know that some level it will fold. When people realize that they aren't the thoughts in their head, but underneath all of that, it's total well being. And when you start to talk to people about or start to see it for yourself, you know you're saying something through. That's just that's probably my favorite thing about this conversation. I think that if I thought of each person that's had that touching truth moment, that I remember the look on their face some people in August. At least a few of the guests we've had on already, I remember one conversation with one of them back in, one of our previous guests back in June of last year. And another one back in March of last year. And then the moments where I've been impacted in that way too. So it's a beautiful thing when we just touch the truth of what you've just been pointing at. That changes lives. We just remember.
and we realize what was already there underneath the noise of of our humanity. And then it's an even more fun to play at the humanity game. Mm-hmm. When we know what we're made of, it's much easier. Or when we know we're always at home, going away is much easier. Delightful, in fact. A deeper experience of being alive. That's what I've noticed for me and for other people as well, is that they are willing to be more impacted by every range of emotion and all range of experiences, knowing that they're always safe and they have well-being as a default. That's a total game changer. And then we forget. Oh, yeah. And we get caught up. We do. Over and over, and we get to come back. And coming back is so sweet. Well, this has been beautiful, Kate. Thank you. So thanks for listening to another episode of Under the Noise with Kate Roberts and Wynne Morgan. And if you've got any comments or questions, get in touch with us. Our contact details are are in the the description of this. Um, Or if on the YouTube video, then it's down there, just down below. And uh, we look forward to to speaking to you again soon. Thanks very much. And if you're interested in resources or things to read or listen to about three principles, which is part of this conversation, definitely reach out. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.